Well, today is February 27th, and I'm Marco Timpano. Unfortunately, yes, you are, Marco, and I, unfortunately, am Bill Antonio. (laughs) But you are fortunately listening to Born on This Day podcast. Mm -hmm. And Bill, I want to wish you a happy International Polar Bear Day. Ooh, like the ice cream or the actual animal? The actual animal. Amazing. Yeah, today we focus efforts on learning more about polar bears and their conservation efforts to make sure that they stay around for generations to come. Mm -hmm. Polar bears can reach a height of nine feet tall and weigh 1,400 pounds, Bill. Mm. Or half of me during quarantine. (laughs) Fair enough. Listen, they're powerful swimmers, and some polar bears have been swimming hundreds of miles from land. But, you know, with the melting of ice and all that climate change and warming, we got to do something. So uh, do yourself a favor and do some more research on polar bears. Yes, and the polar bear exhibit at our Metro Toronto Zoo is a favorite uh, stop for young and old alike because you can watch them swimming from beneath. You can actually stand up against the windows and, uh, and be underwater with them watching them swim. For whatever you feel about zoos, uh, it is a yes. lovely exhibit, and um, and it, 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 I do enjoy seeing them there. And I have been there when they've had uh, cubs as well. Oh, wow. Mm. Well, Bill, listen, they might not be polar bears, but people born today, if you were born on February 27, you are well known for your imagination, intuition, and selflessness. You have an active mind, which you use to meet all aspects of life with creativity, At times, your imagination takes you into a world of your own, but luckily, your intuition keeps you in tune with the outside world. Oh, well, let's see if that's true of our first birthday celebrant today, Marco. Kate Mara was accepted into the Tisch School of the Arts, but deferred her entrance when she began to work as an actress, making her debut in the 1999 film Joe the King. Roles continued on Nip Tuck, Boston Public, 24, and the film Brokeback Mountain before she had her first notable role on American Horror Story, followed by her unforgettable turn on House of Cards, for which she was nominated for an Emmy Award. She basically became famous because of one quick dance in front of a subway train. She Mm. appeared in The Martian, the series Pose, and was the star of the film Megan Levy. She is football royalty. Her mother owns the Steelers and her father owns the Giants. And her sister is Oscar-nominated actress Rooney Mara. She was born on this day in Bedford, New York in 1983. Oh, wow. I had no idea her parents were this uh, football dynasty. Oh, like major, major money. Yeah. Wow. Well, anyways, let's go to our next celebrant. She was one of the greatest stars of the 20th century, a textbook example of celebrity excess while also one of the greatest philanthropists in showbiz history. Elizabeth Taylor was pushed into acting by her parents, both artists who had not made it in the movies, making her film debut at the age of 10 in the 1942 film There's One Born Every Minute. She came to prominence with her performance in National Velvet, during which she suffered a back injury that was never treated properly and led to her painkiller addiction later on in life. In the 1950s, she was Hollywood's most popular teenager in films like Father of the Bride and A Place in the Sun, then graduated to grown-up roles with Giant in 1956, receiving Oscar nominations for Rain Tree County, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, which she was gorgeous in, not only Mm -hmm. um, super talented, and suddenly last summer before winning Oscars for Butterfield 8 and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. She was the first actor to be paid a million dollars for a role she starred in the 1963 debacle Cleopatra. Have you ever seen that movie, uh, Bill? Like four times. Are you asking me if I've seen an Elizabeth Taylor movie? 
Well, Cleopatra. Are you like, asking you know, I, me if I've seen the most famous Elizabeth Taylor movie? Mark, well, you're insulting my religion right now. I'm sorry, but like, here's the thing. Like, I hear it mentioned a million times, Bill, but I've never seen it. I oh. don't know where you even get to see this film. Um, I have it on DVD. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. It's okay. actually, I mean, whatever bad things people want to say about it, I'm not going to argue, but I personally mm-hmm. love it. It is four hours long. And right. it gets to be a long four hours by the second half, but I don't know. I, I love that movie. There's it's it's a combination of like um uh a fantasy Egyptology combined with my love of like ridiculous sixties movies with okay. the greatest movie star of all time at the head of it. I actually sure. went to Tiff and saw it on the big screen once uh with Elva. We did the whole four hours and it was wow. really it, it was a wonderful day. I um yeah, I, I love Cleopatra. And I think it needs to be seen at least once just to be seen, even if you don't like okay. it. Okay. Yeah. And is it spectacular to to watch? Because yeah. they must have poured so much money into it, right? Uh yeah, I think when in 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 uh, when adjusted for inflation, it's still the most expensive movie ever made. I think it would be wow. like an eight hundred million dollar budget today or something. Um, and a lot of the money is on screen. It does look great. It doesn't look cheap okay. in any way. Right. Um, but you know, it, it is, <laughs> it, it is a mix of the campy and the wonderful and the good and the bad and, and so many things, and, you know, and it was the biggest hit of the year when it came out, but it still bombed because even though it was the movie that people went to see the most that year, they still couldn't get enough people to see it to make back the amount of money they spent. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Anyways, going back to her, her personal life grabbed headlines with her eight marriages to seven men's, the most exciting of them being her men's, two Marco, with- are you a real housewife now? <laughs> men's, men. did I say men's? No, I thought I said men. Well, seven anyways, men's, seven men's, seven men's, seven men's for seven brides. <laughs> um, anyways, um, it was the most exciting was her two unions to, of course, Richard Burton. She was the first celebrity to create product lines associated with her name, beginning with jewelry and perfume, which was my grandmother's signature perfume was poison yeah. by Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, nice. Yeah. Not white. Diamonds. I can still. Mm-hmm. No, no. Her my my grandmother's was poison, and if I ever smell that scent, it reminds me of my grandmother. I don't know if they still make it. I think they still oh, make white nice. diamonds, though, right? Yeah, it's I, interesting. I, that I, my for grandma... sure, they still make white diamonds. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, with the onset of the AIDS epidemic in the eighties, she swung into action, raising more than four hundred million dollars to fight the disease. For her efforts, she was recognized by the Academy with the Jean Herschel Humanitarian Award. She survived many addictions and was the first actor to publicly go to rehab. And she loved a dirty joke. She only dated men who could buy her diamonds, which isn't a bad thing, right, Bill? Mm-hmm. That's right. And she did anything to help a friend. She was the GOAT and re- remained so until her death at the age of 79 in 2011. She was born on this day in London, England in, 19, in 1932. God bless. There was no one like the great, great, great Elizabeth Taylor. Mm -hmm. And she went everywhere in a gold wheelchair towards the end and uh, had instructions that she be brought into her funeral 15 minutes late. Oh, really? That's amazing. late. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. So great. Yeah. She was, she was one of those dynamic, um, you know, when they talk about stars, 
Um, she was one of them, whether you loved her or whether you didn't, or, you know, she, she went through like weight gain that she was made fun of, but she was always very classy and she was abroad too. Like she could take a dirty joke. She could tell a dirty joke and she fought for, for really great causes. I mean, listen, Marco, I could go on for hours about Elizabeth Taylor and I won't, but you know, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to American celebrity stardom, there was Elizabeth Taylor and then there was everybody else. There was no one whose life was more public. I mean, that woman from the childhood was popular and loved. She never dipped out of popularity. She was always a star. Um, She always commanded very, very high salaries and always delivered on them. You know, her movies always did very well. And, Mm -hmm. um, and she was quite damaged by the relationship she had with the public being that the press was always so deeply involved in her life. But then she always had a survivor's attitude about it. She always had a sense of humor about it. And she was never ashamed. She wasn't ashamed to go to rehab. She wasn't ashamed of her divorces. And so there's always a a sense of um, resilience to her. She wasn't um, this wilting flower who was sort of damaged by fame. And again, she always had a really good sense of humor. It's notable that all of her children were still very close with her by the time she died. That's not very common with famous celebrities. Um, and that they still tell stories about how funny and wonderful and warm she was. You know, you would think that she was someone who didn't have time for her kids, but they all have, they all seem to only have warm and lovely uh, reminiscences uh, of her. So, you know, there's, I just, and I'm sure she had her plenty bad qualities, um, sure. but she, she, she was as selfless as she was selfish. And that's what I love about her. You know, the yeah. the most iconic story for me is, when she got married to her second husband, Michael Wilding, they had a, they basically partied in their hotel suite with all their friends. They trashed the place from top to bottom, like Mm -hmm. trashed. And then the next day she came back, helped the maids clean the room and brought them all presents for cleaning the room. So she was both, you know, like she was this destroyer and she was also this force of generosity as well. And she and Richard Burton always booked the hotel rooms around their room so that they wouldn't bother anyone by all the noise they made. So, you know, yeah, she was just indulgent, but considerate at the same time, Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, I just love, 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 love Liz. Yeah, indeed. And uh, the last word is she was great on film. She was a great actor. Richard Burton said he learned everything about film acting from her. He learned how to be still on camera from her because she was a technical genius because she'd started so young and um, her performances were extraordinary. So, you know, she was everything and more. Yeah, there's so many great stories about Elizabeth Taylor, especially if you watch any of the talk shows or, mm-hmm. or whatnot. But uh, I think there was a there was a story where she was sitting in a in a um, restaurant waiting for someone to come, and she made sure she sat in perfect light. She knew where her light was. Oh yes, and, of course. Yeah, and, and sat in perfect light. Yeah. Well, because otherwise they're going to take a shitty photo of her, put it on the tabloid, and say Elizabeth is depressed and lonely and on drugs again or something. You know, right, you have to right. be careful about these things. Sure. sure. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And Joan Rivers made terrible, terrible, mean jokes about her, especially when she got fat. And Liz always took them in stride and said she thought they were funny. And she said she knows Joan Rivers is a total bitch. And um, she does. She said, Joan doesn't get me where I live. I don't I don't mind her jokes. Right. There you go. And Joan always respected her for that. Mm hmm. Oh, it's my turn. All right. It's your turn, yeah. Actor Adam Baldwin is related is to the Baldwin brothers, but very distantly, going back to the 1600s. 
Okay. He has spent most of his career in relative obscurity, voted TV Guide's sexiest newcomer in 2005, despite having been appearing on television and film since 1980. He's best known for his performance as Animal Mother in Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket, plus he had roles in Predator 2, Radio Flyer, How to Make an American Quilt, Independence Day, The Patriot, and the series Firefly. In 2014, he was on four seasons of The Last Ship. He was born on this day in Winnetka, Illinois in 1962. Bill, I'm probably going to get this person's name wrong, so help me out here. Donald Lo- Logie? Uh, no, Logue. it's Irish, so I think it's Donald Logue, I think. Donald Logue, all right, fair enough, is another theater actor who eventually broke into films, playing small roles in Sneakers, Gettysburg, Little Women, and Jerry Maguire, before having a rare lead role in The Tao of Steve, for which he won a jury prize at the Sundance Festival for his performance. In 2012, he appeared on a season of Sons of Anarchy and episodes of Vikings, then played the recurring role of Harvey Bullock on five seasons of Gotham, while he was born on this day in Ottawa, Ontario in 1966. Noah Emmerich attended NYU Film School, where he wrote and directed the award-winning short The Painter. He made his film debut in the 1993 bomb The Last Action Hero, then achieved more prominent roles in Copland, The Truman Show, Crazy in Alabama, and Frequency. In 2013, he joined the cast of The Americans, and in 2019 was in the Sasha Baron Cohen series The Spy. He is currently a guest on Space Force and has directed episodes of Billions and The Americans. He was born on this day in New York City in 1965. Timothy Spall followed the path of many prestigious British filmmakers, studying at RADA and joining the Royal Shakespeare Company in the late 70s. Around the same time, he made his film debut in Quadrophenia. He had small roles in The Sheltering Sky and Gothic, but rose to prominence with his collaboration with Mike Lee, including Life is Sweet and Secrets and Lies, which brought him to Hollywood and soon saw him appearing in films like Rockstar and Vanilla Sky. He continued to collaborate with Lee on Topsy Turvy and All or Nothing, played Peter Pettigrew in the Harry Potter films, and in 2014 won the Best Actor Prize at Cannes for his role in Lee's Mr. Turner. Well, he was born on this day in London, England in 1957. He's amazing. I just love Timothy Spall. He's also a perfect example of what it looks like when very fat people become very thin uh, and you can cool. tell that they used to be fat because when oh, you really? look like a balloon where the air has been let out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause he's someone who I think he was, he, I think he had like a health problem and his doctor said, you know, it's time to. Right. And so you have this drastic, drastic change, but if you see him, you can tell that he wasn't always that thin. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Howard Hessman was a member of the improv group The Committee in the 60s, taking small roles on various television shows like The Andy Griffith Show, Soap, and Sanford and Son. As the 70s came along, and he had one of his first major roles in the cult hit Billy Jack. A regular guest on The Bob Newhart Show, he had his biggest hit yet with WKRP in Cincinnati, for which he was nominated for two Emmys. He had roles in the films Clue and This Is Spinal Tap before scoring another sitcom hit, with what I know him from, which I used to watch as a kid, head of the class in 1986. An attempt to bring back WKRP fizzled, but he has since appeared as a guest on numerous shows and had roles in the films All About Steve, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, and the 2016 comedy Wild Oats. He was born on this day in Lebanon, Oregon in 1940. We need to see more of him. I used to love him both yeah. on WKRP and head of the class. And even though he turns, what, 80 today, 81, mm-hmm. in my mind, he... 
always looks the same age, you know? Yeah. I just see that dusty hair and that mustache and the glasses. Yep. And I just expect yep. him to look exactly the same. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Joan Bennett was born to actors and made her film debut at the age of six in a film starring her father, Richard Bennett. In the 1930s, herself divorced and with a child to raise, Joan went to work as a leading lady in films, gaining fame in Bulldog Drummond and Disraeli. Then, in the 40s, became famous as a star of a series of popular film noirs, including The Woman in the Window and Scarlet Street. She played Elizabeth Taylor's mother in Father of the Bride and then slowed her film career down, taking a lead on the late 60s horror television series Dark Shadows, for which she was nominated for an Emmy Award. She made sporadic appearances in films until her last, Suspiria by Dario Argento, in 1977. She retired until her death in 1990 at the age of 80, while she was born on this day in Palisades, New Jersey, in 1910. Another acting giant uh, this year, or on this day, I should say, is the great Joanne Woodward. She competed in beauty pageants in Georgia, took acting at Louisiana State, and then headed to New York, where she studied under Sanford Meisner. While there, she met a young actor named Paul Newman, and they fell in love, but couldn't get married until his wife granted him a divorce a few years later. She began acting on television before starring in the film of Ira Levin's A Kiss Before Dying, then in 1957 won an Oscar for Best Actress in The Three Faces of Eve. She was up against Elizabeth Taylor, who was nominated for the first time that night. uh, Joanne maintained a rich and varied acting career for the rest of her professional life, earning further nominations for her husband's directorial debut, Rachel Rachel, the 1973 drama Summer Wishes, Winter Dreams, and the Merchant Ivory film Mr. and Mrs. Bridge in 1990. Plus, she starred in The Fugitive Kind, Paris Blues, and made her final on-screen appearance in the miniseries Empire Falls with Newman, to whom she remained married until his death in 2008. She has retired from public life, I think she has Alzheimer's, but I'm not sure. I don't think she's well. And oh, she's uh, she, still alive? Yeah, she's 91 today. Oh, and she was born okay. on this day in Thomasville, Georgia in 1930. Well, happy birthday to her. I think mm. I remember seeing her at a screening of The Princess Bride back oh, in the day at Roy okay. Thompson Hall. Yeah, I think she was there. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Well, she was, do you mean for TIFF, during TIFF? No, it was just a, like, premiere screening or something i don't think it was tiff i mean this was so many years ago i was a kid working at a at a cinema like i was a an usher at one of the movie theaters and and for some reason our movie theater got picked to go and hand out popcorn there and she happened to be there rob reiner was there there was a bunch of people from the movie there because i know that movie played at tiff that year and if it was a roy thompson hall that would have been the festival so you know what it could it could have been and i just didn't realize i was i was young she would have been there for um the Glass Menagerie, which she did with Paul Newman that year. So, yes, that's what, yeah. that's what she was there. It yeah. must have been Tiff. It was probably called the Festival of Festivals back then. Yes, that's how that's old right. I am. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but she hasn't appeared on screen in anything since, um, uh, well, that TV movie I mentioned, uh, her last time being in a feature film was Philadelphia with Tom Hanks in 1993. So it's been a long time that oh, she's wow. been sort of out of uh, out of the public eye, you know. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, Bill, I'm dying to find out if you found this person attractive when you were young. Grant Show made his acting debut as a regular on the soap opera Ryan's Hope in the mid-80s, then took a break to study at Lambda in England before coming back to the States, working in theater while padding out his television resume on Beverly Hills 90210 and Burke's Law. And the role that made him famous as Jake Hansen on five seasons of Melrose Place. 
Did you watch that, Bill, or was that before your time? I watched it a little bit. I remember watching it a couple times, but it never really grabbed me enough to like make yeah. me a huge super fan. Yeah. Okay, fair And enough. he was fine. I mean, he's very handsome in that like sure. stock soap opera way. I don't find him like devastating, but he's not ugly. Okay, fair enough. You heard it here, guys. Um, he later had a recurring guest role on Private Practice and Big Love, co-starred on Devious Maids, and currently plays Blake Carrington on the Dynasty reboot. He was born on this day in Detroit, Michigan in 1962. Like he's perfect on the Dynasty reboot because everyone on that show is, they look like people in soap operas, you know, like people who are um, sort of bloodlessly perfect looking. Sure. Uh, and he fits right into that, you know. Like he looks like someone so you, with money. So you watched the Dynasty reboot? I've watched a, a, quite a bit of it, actually. I don't think it's particularly okay. good, but okay. I find myself li like wanting to watch it anyway. Like it's just such sure. a great mindless entertainment, but certainly nothing near the pleasure of the uh, the original. Yeah. Which you watched back in the day. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was four when okay. it started, so I think I okay. got into it a bit later. But yes, I did watch it. I did used to watch it on a whatever Friday night whenever it was on. Mm -hmm. My mom used to watch it, so I, I remember seeing Diane Carroll, I think. Yes, was on it for yeah. A bit. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I loved it. I mean, as a kid, you think you watch it, you're like, this is like a fancy people show, and fancy sure. people watch the show, and it's like, oh, no, you grow up, you're like, oh, no, losers watch the show. The actual fancy people live the show. You right, yeah. right. Well, I remember, so my mom would watch it, and I guess it would be on the background, or I would watch it with mm -hmm. her or whatever. And then cut to like a month or so ago, Amanda's watching a documentary and on on that cult where they branded the women, I can't remember. Uh, Nexium, and all of a sudden, Kat, yeah. Nexium, yeah. And Catherine Oxenberg's on it. And I'm like, that's the woman oh. from Dynasty. And Amanda's like, what are you talking yeah. about? I'm like, that's the princess. She had this big wedding on Dynasty. She's like, how do you right. know this? Yeah. I'm like- Because she ended up on I, the Colby's, was, didn't she? Didn't she- she had a I think big she crossed scene. over onto the Colby's. Probably. I don't know. I just remember there was yeah. that was the big thing that we watched. My mother was really excited about. And there was like this wedding. This princess was getting married. And then these terrorists came and like shot everybody up. And that was the cliffhanger. And anyways, her daughter ended up in Nexium and then, and then she was on the soap opera. And Catherine Oxenberg oh. basically helped rescue so many people out of that cult because her daughter oh, was amazing. She set oh, up a amazing. sting operation, all this shit. Yeah, it's pretty. Well, and she's like a princess in real life, too. Didn't we discuss yeah. that? Yeah. 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 I'm sure you discussed it with Amanda because at one point she calls her mother, who's like the princess of Yugoslavia or something, and says, do you think we can get Charles on the phone? And they're talking about Prince Charles. Right. Like, yeah. She's like, I have his number. I can call him. Right. But it was amazing. really funny. Anyways. Yeah, don't call Andrew. Don't call Andrew. All right. <clears throat> Josh Groban's first four solo albums have been certified multi-platinum, and he was charted in 2007 as the number one best-selling artist in the United States, with over 22.3 22 million records. As of 2012, he has sold over 25 million records worldwide. He originally studied acting, but as his voice developed, found himself drawn to pursuing a singing career, and while training at California State University, was asked by David Foster to stand in for Andrea Bocelli at a rehearsal for the Grammy Awards show, because it's not like anyone can sound worse than Andrea Bocelli. Um, <laughs> after which, Rosie O'Donnell invited Josh to be on her talk show, and his career was set, because he needs a voice to make up for that face. He made his Broadway debut in 2017 in Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, and was nominated for a Tony Award for it. He was in the film Crazy Stupid Love, and on the show The Good Cop. He was born on this day in Los Angeles in 1981. Amazing. 
Baltazar Cormacur is an actor and director. Did I get it almost, Bill? Good, good enough. Uh, Bill's yeah. Okay. Well, he's an actor. I'm not an and director. expert on um, Icelandic pronunciation, so okay. you know your 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 best is as guest is as good as mine. Uh, Amanda's good at, at that, but uh, she's not on today. She's not show. Marco. Neither of you are. No. no. Okay. <laughs> well, listen. She's he, this person is a director who graduated from Iceland's National Academy of Fine Arts, and he was signed on by the country's National Theater, gaining fame on films like the films Agnes, Devil's Island, and the acclaimed 101 Reykjavik which uh, was his second film as director and the first to be a hit at film festivals. In 2002, he made The Sea, and in 2012 had success with a true story, The Deep, which led to the Mark Wahlberg's film, Two Guns, and then the 2015 drama, Everest, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Well, this person was born on this day in Reykjavik in 1966. He's also the friend of a friend who uh, speaks very highly of him, yeah. Oh, that's really nice to hear. Deborah Monk is best known for her performances on Broadway, winning a Tony Award for Redwood Curtain in 1993 and appearing in Picnic, Steel Pier, Curtains, The Time of the Cuckoo, and Visiting Edna. She won an Emmy Award for her guest appearances on NYPD Blue and was in the films Prelude to a Kiss, The Bridges of Madison County, which is what I always think of her from, uh, Jeffrey, which is what I also always think of her from, and The First Wives Club, and on television was on Damages and Grey's Anatomy. She appeared on the Food Channel's Barefoot Contessa and is set to appear in the miniseries The Gilded Age this year. She was born on the stay in Middletown, Ohio in 1949. Alba Rockwatcher... Or Rochvacher is an Italian actress who has given notable performance in internationally acclaimed films, beginning with My Brother is an Only Child, I Am Love by Luca Guadagnino, Guadagnino and Dormant uh, Beauty. I'm by sorry, Mar- you can't say an Italian name, Marco. What's going Guadagnino. on? Guadagnino. Listen, listen. There it is. I just woke up. And Dormant Beauty by Marco Bellocchio. She appeared in the films of her sister, critically acclaimed director Alice Rochvacher, and uh, the films that her sister made were The Wonders and Happy as Lazzaro, and was in the Matteo Garone. Lazzaro Felice, as it's called in Italian. For sure. Uh, Matteo Garone's film. I can speak your language. I I can see that. I can see that. Uh, Or I could hear that, I should say. Tale of Tales. What's that in Italian? Oh, um, that's a good question. It's like racconti something. I can't. Yeah, remember. you're right. It's not the, yeah, it's racconti. not an exact translation. Yeah, right. Um, and co-starred with Adam Driver in the prize-winning Hungry Hearts. Uh, she was born on this day in Florence, Italy, in 1979. I think it's um, I think it's Rohrwacher is the Rohrwacher yeah, and Alice because um, da- they're Italian, but they've got like a a, a German yeah German her dad's German. Somewhere. Her dad's German. I looked it up because some northern Italian uh, Italians yeah. will have German names. So I was looking to see if yeah. she was from where my aunt lives in Trento, but she's not. Her dad's Italian, or her dad's your German. Mom also mom. Have, um, your mom also must have your mom also must have German named neighbors as well, where she's from. So, um, anyway. yeah, more Slavic, like, but but not oh, okay. quite where she is. Yeah, because she's from Friuli, so she's close to okay. the uh, close to Croatia, I guess you could say. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Lena Wertmüller is another Italian with a yes. German last name, but I, in her case, I think it's because um, she comes from like aristocrats, like European uh, uh, aristocrats, so different uh, lineage. 
Anyway, um, moving on, William Demarest was one of the most prolific and popular character actors in the 40s, usually playing tough-talking wise guys and most loved for his work with Preston Sturges, including The Palm Beach Story, The Lady Eve, The Miracle of Morgan's Creek, and Hail the Conquering Hero. A vaudeville veteran who went to Broadway and then entered films in the 20s, including a role in the first sound feature, The Jazz Singer, he had a knack for deadpan expressions that was featured in most popular roles. His performance in The Jolson Story earned him his one Oscar nomination in a career that spanned almost 200 films and television shows, which included the hit series My Three Sons in the 60s, and ended in 1978 with the TV movie The Millionaire, which he filmed five years before his death at the age of 91. He was born on this day in St. Paul, Minnesota in 1892. Lynn Cartwright met her husband, Leo Gordon, while studying at ADA, and after getting married, they frequently appeared in films and plays together for much of their 50 years together. She's best known in the 50s for films like The Wasp Woman, The Cry Baby Killer, and unbilled roles in the Oscar-winning The Apartment, and Queen of Outer Space with Zsa Zsa Gabor. That sounds like quite quite the film there it's quite the film i gotta tell you and as it turns out when you get to the outer space planet where zsa zsa gabor is the queen everything looks like a game show and all the women are wearing amazing gowns (laughs) that's awesome did you ever hear the story of the wasp woman the lead in it was murdered by her son or something really yeah, if you look into there's a there's a bunch of like uh, true crime uh, podcasts that talk about it. Anyways, yeah. back to Lynn Cartwright. In her later years, she played the part most people know her for as the older version of Gina Davis in the framing narrative of the the hit baseball comedy A League of Their Own. Did Gina Davis do her own voice and uh, Cartwright? Um, mouthed it cartwright's voice is dubbed yes by gina davis in those scenes but it's not actually gina davis in old lady makeup yeah okay you can also tell that they've done like makeup on her face to make her resemble gina davis more but when you see her when she was young you could already see there was a resemblance there anyway like it's it's really really good casting because it was great penny marshall said that she felt that if she put the young women in old age makeup it would just look really stupid yeah, uh, and it's a budget consideration, and you need time to test all that stuff. And so she decided to cast older women instead. Well, that's great. You could yeah. do a League of Their Own podcast, Bill. You know so much about that film. It's a, it's a favorite. What can I say? Uh, yeah. Well, it might have been a favorite of hers, but it was certainly her last appearance before retiring until her death in 2004 at the age of 76. She was born on this day in McAllister, Oklahoma, in 1927. I think a lot of people who watch that movie don't even realize it's another actress. I, I thought for the longest time that it, it could be Gina Davis in makeup, mm-hmm. but then it was so good. And you yeah. kind of look at it and you're like, no, that's a woman. And she's her voice is dubbed perhaps, but it was great. Yeah. They did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Gina Davis is a woman too, just so you know. Uh, anyway, um, so we had Grant show earlier and we also have Grant showed or shod uh, on the same day, which I love. He had a small role in Wall Street before getting the role that we know and love him best for as Miles Silverberg on 10 seasons of the hit series Murphy Brown, during which he also appeared in the films The Distinguished Gentleman, Men Seeking Women and episodes of The Drew Carey Show and Murder, She Wrote. He followed it with his own short-lived show, Oliver Bean, guest spots on Medium, Law & Order, and The Good Wife, then in 2018 rejoined his Murphy Brown cast for the show's one-season comeback. From 2016 to 2019, he appeared as a recurring guest on the series Younger. He was born on this day in Evanston, Illinois in 1961. Well, Bill, we had Grant Show and Grant Shod, and we also have 
Frank Shaw Tone. French show. French show Tone. And he is best known now as one of Joan Crawford's husbands. But in the 30s, he was a leading man who, who brought his elegant bearing and dapper style to roles in Dancing Lady, The Lives of a Bengal Dancer, and Dangerous with Betty Davis, earning an Oscar nomination of a for Bengal Lancer, by the way. Oh, yeah. Lancer. So, <laughs> yeah. So someone would like Lance, like be on a horse and Lance people? Yeah, it's a it's a it's actually a military um, distinction okay. that no longer exists. But okay, yeah, it's different than being a Bengal dancer. <laughs> Just wanted to point that. Oh out. man, yeah. both require a great deal of skill, Bill. I will say that they do. Yes, yeah, and both will get you attention from Gary Cooper. Yeah. Okay. Well, he earned an Oscar nomination for his performance in the 1935 Best Picture winner *Mutiny on the Bounty*. Other films included three comrades and phantom lady focusing on television in the fifties and coming back to major movies with the 1962 Otto Preminger classic advise and consent. His last film, the high commissioner was released in 1968, the year he died at the age of 63. He was born on this day in Niagara Falls, New York in 1905. He's from the shitty side of New York, Niagara Falls. Oh, well, (laughs) Bill said that sent all your letters to bill care of. Born on this it day. is. We have the better view. What do you want me to say? <laughs> just, All right. Just don't say anything. <laughs> Last but not least, fans of Australia's best comedies in the 90s know Bill Hunter very well. He played the competition master Barry Fife in Strictly Ballroom, the Pan Pacific competition, uh, the main character's father in Muriel's Wedding, Deidre! Deidre! What a coincidence! And had a pivotal role in the Oscar-winning instant classic, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Uh, I don't have a line for that one, but anyway, I love American film. Um, A member of Australia's Olympic swimming team as a teenager, he became interested in acting after Ava Gardner insisted he work as an extra on the nuclear-themed movie she was filming there on the beach. Appearing in a number of films and shows throughout the 60s, he came to be cast most often as gruff Aussie types, appearing in the Peter Weir film Gallipoli, the Stephen Frears classic The Hit, and worked steadily through to his last film, The Cup, in 2011, the same year he died at the age of 71. Yeah. Uh, He was born on this day in Ballarat, Australia in 1940. Um, There's a great story that when he was filming Muriel's Wedding, Rachel Griffiths was really, really nervous. It was her first film role. And um, and he's like, what's wrong? She said, you know, I'm just really scared they're going to find out that I can't act. And he's like, honey, I've been doing this for years. They still haven't figured out that I can't act. So don't worry about it. And she always she always said that that was such a great uh, moment for her as a young as a young actor being made to feel so much better by this lovely older man. Amazing. Yeah. He was in such great uh, Aussie films, yep. I have to say. Yep. Yep. Iconic. Well, yeah, iconic indeed. Well, today was iconic. This was February 27th, Bill. I yep. hope you have a great International Polar Bear Day. Go watch a Liz Taylor movie, everyone. Okay, well, yeah. listen, whatever you enjoy, enjoy it with gusto today. Enjoy. <laughs>